0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Quick Whistle Podcast with Jared Emerson. Hey, guys. Janelle, don't know your last name. Britton, Janelle?
1: (laughs) Yeah, what's up, y'all?
0: I should know your last name. Steve. What's going on, everybody? Cool. And today we're going to talk about something that we're very excited about, Avengers Endgame podcast. Um, We're going to start off with, basically our spoiler-free thoughts uh this is not an original thought other podcasts do it but we kind of want to give a chance to some of the listeners who haven't seen the movie to get our quick thoughts and uh, maybe come back after that to listen to our full spoiler thoughts so to jump it off janelle if you want to go in with uh, just some general spoiler free thoughts about the movie
1: sure so i went into it with like I tried not to have any expectations. I, mean, I knew it was going to be awesome, but I was blown away by it. Um, I was so, I don't know, it was just, it was the perfect conclusion to the saga. And I just, it was what I needed, Marvel gave me. That's where I was. That's how I felt about it. And I've seen it every time. So I'm going to say that I liked it.
2: <laughs> Steve. Yeah. Um, I went into. Infinity War, without seeing a single trailer, um, or Endgame, sorry, without seeing a single trailer, last thing I saw was, uh, Infinity War, and, uh, so I had no expectation of who was going to come back, how they were going to come back, anything, um, if anyone would come back, what what the whole thing was going to be, and, uh, it, it was perfect, um, or as close to perfect as you can get, I think, um, it was, it was great, it was a perfect way to end, um, Infinity Saga that I mean we've been watching since what over eleven years and twenty two movies.
0: Jared,
3: Jared,
2: we can't hear you. It's
3: because I have muted my mic. That was nice. Don't worry, I can edit.
2: I can edit this out
3: later. <laughs> um. Okay. Unlike Steven, I did watch all of the trailers, probably with about. Within about an hour of them Uh coming out, you know, I I don't have that ability to sit there and just ignore the content that's in front of me. Uh, That said, it took about maybe ten minutes of movie time for where I thought the movie was going to completely take another turn. So for me, that was the movie was really fantastic. I was completely caught off guard. Everything I thought would happen didn't happen, or things I never thought would happen did happen. So overall, you know, I was I was thrilled. It was a great three-hour ride
0: and going last obviously i'm gonna agree with all of you guys if i hated the movie then i probably wouldn't be here i'd be crying somewhere in a corner but uh <laughs> i love the movie it's hard to uh i guess say any fresh thoughts besides what i've already written on my spoiler free review that you can check up on the website read all about it dot uh, blog dot com terrible name for a blog we might switch it we haven't decided yet but either podcast, way
3: podcast name needs changing too so you uh, know if you have any ideas please yeah. help us
0: we'll get to it eventually um and basically just to kind of regurgitate my thoughts from my my written review it uh, was everything that i knew i needed and expected uh, i know not everyone felt that way and then everything i i didn't know i needed and didn't expect to see so um i was i was floored by the way it culminated uh, it, it satisfied me emotionally, action wise, script wise, pacing wise, every component of the movie I was, I was just, um, enamored with. And it probably had to do with the fact that I flew, uh, to Seattle for mission to go see it. Um, and it was, it was like kind of a big spectacle for me and just leading up to it, I was really excited. So I had an extra great feeling, uh, going into that movie but it just the movie itself just just satisfied me in a way that um none of the other MCU movies really did but obviously that wouldn't be possible without the movies that came before it to build it up so a true culmination of the 21 movies that came before it so at this point we're going to ask all the listeners who haven't watched Avengers Endgame to leave the podcast um I know we didn't really Give you anything besides breadcrumbs, but it'll be best for you to just go in, watch the movie, and enjoy yourself and, and come back and listen to our full spoiler thoughts. Um, I don't know if we're going to get everything done on this podcast because it's such a dense movie and, and there's so many topics to hit on. So we might have a part two, so stay tuned for that. So the first thing that I want to touch on with the spoiler portion of the review is the original Six of the Avengers this was a, a big focus of the film and something that I expected. So we're just going to kind of go through all the six Avengers and uh, just talk a little bit about their story arcs and some some plot points. So we're going to start off with Bruce Banner, uh, Dr. Bruce Banner, Hulk. So, Steve, what did you think about uh, Hulk's new arc and, and um, him becoming Professor Hulk in this movie? Um,
2: so this was something I was kind of hoping would happen when... Uh, they had a problem getting the Hulk to come back in Infinity War uh, after he gets his ass kicked by Thanos at the start. Um, I've wanted to see Professor Hulk for such a long time. I think it's such a cool use of both Banner's brain and Hulk's strength because um, you get the boast of the best of both of them, um, and it's just a really cool way to cap off Mark Ruffalo. Um, you know, we don't know whether there's going to be more Hulk movies coming. We'll talk about that later. Obviously. Uh, but I did read something that he and Feige at the start of The Avengers kind of came up with a narrative arc that's more of a personality arc over movies rather than a na- uh, movie series to go from being separate Banner and Hulk um, to come to this point of, of Professor Hulk. Uh, and I just I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool to see, uh, to get everything from... Both sides of a really interesting character when you look at it.
0: Did you feel like there was any lack of you know, quote unquote Hulk smashing in the movie? Because we didn't really see a lot of Hulk action, so to say, as much as we saw Hulk Smoke.
2: No, we didn't. Um but I thought we got kind of good nods to it where you know they show up in two thousand twelve uh for the time heist, right as Hulk is smashing a bunch of chitaris into A destroyed car and then uh he kind of gives a little head you know a little tip of the cap and then walks out to uh go off on his part of the story and just kind of punches a cab just kind of throws a motorcycle and then goes on to uh meet with the ancient one and try to get the time stone Uh, I thought it was a cool way to you don't need to not use everything from one side of it and just kind of give a mesh of both Right,
0: and it was cool to kind of see Hulk find- and, and Bruce Banner finally at peace. I thought mm-hmm. one of the funniest points in the movie is when he gave uh, Scott the tacos when Scott's yeah. out of his hand. And it was just like it was hippie Hulk, man. He was just going out there, and he was super relaxed, and nothing bothered him. Where in the past, um, you know, he'd get angry about taking a flight of stairs and, and freak out. So yeah. I, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, so, moving on to the next char- character, Thor Odin's son, Jared, what kind of thoughts did you have about that twist that you were talking about early on in the movie in the spoiler free portion about Thor beheading Thanos?
3: Uh, well, I-, I thought Thor had probably the most interesting storyline in the entire uh, film. You know, because of how everything kind of went from Infinity War to Endgame. You know, he lost half of his people hours after saving them. And then another half of them got snapped out of existence. So he's lost basically everyone heading into this movie. And he goes to take on Thanos with the hopes that, you know, and he has the guilt of knowing that he he could have stopped him at the end of infinity war and kind of mess that whole situation up or you know the he didn't aim for the head and even then i i don't know if he why he thought shoving a knife through a guy's heart wouldn't finish the job anyway head or no um but so he's dealing with that whole guilt gets there and finds out that you know is permanent so to speak so he kind of went into that deep depression and i know it's kind of played off as a laugh but like for someone to be a god And to have felt like that and to let down everyone, I thought it was interesting what they did with the character where he finally had to realize that he doesn't have to be perfect at all times, you know, and and you got that moment with his mom where he got to talk to her and she kind of set him straight. But even then, he didn't go back to I like that they didn't just fix that for him. You know, obviously he had the whole like he kind of had an outward and inward metamorphosis throughout the movie the Outward was a little bit more noticeable but they didn't like when it got to the final battle it wasn't something where he just, you know, boom snapped back into the Thor we all know like he, he kind of showed that he's he's the different, he's different but he's still the same. And I kind of like how they went about that, you know, he didn't have to become like this ripped god again he kind of showed that, you know, he has his faults but he's still, he, he's finally becoming who he wants to be, not who he was supposed to be
0: Right And touching on what you said about his mother, the conversation with Frigga, um, those little character moments where where the minor characters came back, and we'll get into this in a separate portion, those were some of my favorite parts of the movie. I never expected Frigga to come back in in any way, and I thought that was uh, really, really special. Um, So moving on to the next two characters who shared a very important mission in the movie to retrieve the Soul Stone, we're going to talk about Clint Barton and Natasha Romanoff. Janelle, go ahead and start off your thoughts with the way the movie began uh, with Clint's family being dusted and how it kind of
1: unfolded for him from there. Sure. Um, I love the way that they started it. Uh, I loved how they brought Hockett, you know, in right at the beginning. And, you know, it kind of shows, like, where he was at, you know, when Infinity War was going on and when those events happened. And then, like, when the two of them were going to retrieve the Soul Stone... I mean, I kind of had an idea. It was like we knew what time it was, cause we knew exactly, like you know, what's required to get the stone. And I think it was, I don't know. I feel like Black Widow's arc. I mean, it ended at a at a decent place, just because like she's done all these horrible things in the past, and it was her way of saying, okay, like now let me do something of meaning like that's meaningful that can help. You know, um, you know, have, you know. And then there was this, you know, her her guy, her her buddy Hawkeye has these kids and it's like this is his chance to have his family back and you know she had nobody. Her family was the Avengers. So I felt like it was a really, you know, cool way to bring her story to a close.
0: Did you feel that the Ronin portion of the story was in any way rushed? Did you want to see more of what Ronin was doing in the background or did you get enough Ronin time?
1: I- thought it was a little rushed. They could have done more, but I also understand, like, why... I mean, you can't... We can't have everything. We can't have everything. But, I mean, for the most part, I mean, I thought it was... I thought it was well done. I did think they, you know, like, with her, you know, talking about her funeral and her death, I thought that was a little rushed, but I... I mean, it's a three-hour movie. They can't... I mean, we would have sat there for five, six hours, but not everybody would have.
0: And I thought a really cool Clint moment and we're going to kind of be hopping around everywhere in the movie because there's just really an un- unlimited amount of moments to touch on. But a cool Clint moment at Tony's funeral um, mm-hmm. is when, you know, he's he's talking to Elizabeth Olsen, Scarlet Witch by, by the lake. And that's a callback to Avengers Age of Ultron where they form that relationship, mentor, mentoree. Um, I, I, I never expected that to even be touched on in, in the future movies. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, a little bit more about Natasha, at least from my perspective, uh, Janelle, I think you kind of you brought her journey um, or you explained her journey pretty well. One thing I really wanted to mention is Scarlett Johansson's performance as as Black Widow in this movie. I thought uh, it was she was top three for me in, in the movie uh, or at the beginning of the movie when she's broken about the snap, just like how everyone else is. There's a special I don't know, a special kind of acting skill that she, she uh, conveyed there with uh, the way she was just broken you know when she's having that conversation with the remaining avengers if they're even the avengers at that point and what they're up to and you know asking war machine roadie to keep tabs on on clint uh, you can really truly see the pain in, in her eyes and um i doubt she'll get an oscar nomination since it's such a supporting cast type type movie and everyone everyone was kind of a supporter but I thought that, that she did really well in the film. I don't know if anyone else thought that her performance stood out over others, but I, I thought she was phenomenal.
3: I thought, yeah, no, I agree. I think she was fantastic. And I thought it was interesting that Black Widow kind of took over the leadership role there once, you know, kind of Iron Man stepped. You know, obviously, Tony was in no position to lead anymore. And I'm not really sure what, I mean, Captain America was leading that, you know, those support groups. So I'm not really sure what he was doing within the team anymore. But it kind of seemed like... uh Romanov was running everything back at the base, which I thought was really interesting. And, you know, to your point about Johansson, I thought she was amazing. I agree. She really did very well expressing her emotions throughout the film. Right.
0: And Janelle, I'm going to ask you this question and put you on the spot, but um, you're undoubtedly going to have a a different perspective than than us. So I was listening to another podcast, Collider Media, and in their spoiler uh, spoiler podcast they were saying that they had they had a little bit of an issue with the way Natasha was grieved you kind of touched on it with the lack of you know a formal funeral but were you I mean were you upset at all that there was their point basically was that there was a bunch of angry men just grieving Natasha by a lake and they were angry when they should have realized that I guess Natasha was a bigger part of the team in the past and they were just kind of Brett planning it to be that, you know, she was bigger than she really was. Did you feel that
1: way at all? I didn't feel that way, but I was interested. I, I, to- like, personally, like, I didn't get that. Like, I, I mean, I think the emotion of Bruce Banner was conveyed well because of the relationship that they had, um, earlier in the series. And I think, you know, he made it really clear how much, you know, he missed her and, you know, how important their relationship was to him. So, um... And then, I mean, I thought, I thought it was well done. Like, I mean, obviously could they have done a little bit more? Absolutely. Sure. But I don't think they shortchanged her by any means. No.
0: And I agree too. So screw you, Collider. I think they did a good job.
3: I think it helps (laughs) that they are in the middle of a, I mean, they're technically still in the middle of, you know, this whole event. With Tony, it was afterward, you know, Thanos is defeated. The snap was undone everyone was able to kind of settle down at that point, have a funeral for, for black widow, you know, the job wasn't done yet. So it's kind of hard to like take a giant break to have a funeral at that point. It's kind of like, you know, losing someone in battle and you, you can't stop all of a sudden. I I I agree.
0: So I didn't think yeah. there was a need for a real form, formal funeral. And then Clint and Scarlet, Witch also had that conversation saying that she was probably watching over them. Yeah. And, Going to win the fight, so I thought it was. I thought it was fine. Steve, what'd you think?
2: Uh, I thought it was great. Um, I didn't think she needed the funeral. Um, you know, her going out just in front of him, um, sacrificing herself for the team. Um, you know, knowing that he's got a chance to be with his family still, um, and she didn't have a family like Janelle said outside of the Avengers. So, I thought that was a good way to uh, to kind of approach that, who's going to go there, um, because Hawkeye wanted to go so he could see his family, but she was confident that they were going to get this done and survive uh, and bring everyone back, and so he was going to get to be with his family again if she sacrificed herself. Um, One thing I found funny, um, just on a separate little note with Hawkeye, this was the first movie they've ever actually said the name Hawkeye in any of the Infinity Saga. Uh, There's one note to it in Thor where they call him the Hawk, but when he calls his daughter Hawkeye at the start of the movie, the first time they've ever actually said Hawkeye in any of the Marvel movies.
0: That's that's an interesting tidbit and maybe um, a hint that there is a female Hawkeye in the pipeline, whether it be Kate Bishop, um, who is basically another Hawkeye in the comics that uh, Clint trains or whether there be his daughter. So I think that uh, leaves it open to interpretation. That's a good catch, Steve. Another Easter egg with Clint when he is going to retrieve the soul stone with Natasha. Same. <laughs> with Thanos and uh, Thanos and Gamora, where Red Soul comes up to, to them and he, you know, says, Thanos, son of Alars, and Gamora's daughter of Thanos. Um, he says... Flint, son of edith so i saw on reddit that basically the reason why he referenced his mother and he was the only one to do, do that too uh was that his father was a, an abusive drunk in the comics so i guess that was a nod to the comics and maybe told do not to mention his father's. so i thought that was
3: a little that scene was a. Uh- that scene was pretty big for black widow too though was it not because she didn't know who her father was until the yeah until that scene right so I'm, a, I'm
0: guessing
3: it's not Roganoff, it's something else yeah so i'm guessing that's something that they'll hopefully explore with her standalone movie maybe right. she, i mean obviously if it's a prequel which would make the most sense at this point then she would never know it uh know who he is but it might tell us a little bit more about it
0: Right. I'm definitely interested to see where she goes into the future, and a little bit later we'll get into what we expect from, from the future, so we can dive into that and what we're hoping for. So moving on to the two big OGs as far as I am concerned, a lot of people would say the big three would be Thor, Tony, and Steve. I say Tony and Steve, because uh, those are the people that we began with, and um, at least those are the people that I had the, the real emotional connection to. I really enjoy the other characters, but they, they hold a, a special place in my heart. So starting off with Tony at the beginning of the movie, he's floating in space with Nebula. Steve, do you want to talk a little bit about that scene and and maybe how
2: you know the tenderness between Tony
0: and Nebula surprised you at all? If that was a thing for
2: you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the tenderness was like the, the surprising part of it was more on Nebula. Uh, we've seen Tony care about people, you know, namely Peter Parker. Uh, but Nebula, you know, we've seen through Thanos and through Infinity War that she never really had, you know, so much emotion. Um, you know, her playing paper football with Tony, and he, you know, gets one through the uprights, and she immediately reacts and tries to, you know, take a swipe at something. Um, to by the end, she wins and just shakes his hand. Um, it was a nice little way to kind of give her a little bit, different arc um you know not as uh stoic and not as kind of menacing and kind of give her a little more um, humanism i guess is the right word um you know she said at the end that she had fun playing paper football with tony uh but then also tony's recording uh to pepper um was was good i thought it was a really good way of kind of foreshadowing Um, You know, he's accepting his death there, you know, 22 days in in space, you know, losing food, losing oxygen, thousand light years from home. He's kind of already accepted death, and it's kind of a good foreshadow into later when he, um, you know, accepts that same fate.
0: And where we see Captain Steve Rogers begin the film is when, when Captain Marvel saves Tony. Uh, I thought that was a really cool moment, and I kind of expected that—that that Carol was going to be the one to bring them back. But it still hit with me. She just, she just came and she just gave her little Captain Marvel smirk, like everything's going to be okay. And um, I, I thought that was awesome that that she rescued them, even though I expected it. That was my
3: prediction out of the water. <laughs> 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 on, when, on when Captain America or when Captain Marvel would show up, I was like, oh, well, there we go.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little about about her in the. Uh... In the back end of the podcast here, since surprisingly she wasn't really involved that much, but um, where we see Steve is shaving his beard, going beardless, very first scene, uh, welcoming Tony back when when Captain Marvel comes back with the ship. And um, Janelle, do you want to talk a little bit about the Tony and, and Cap reunion and a, a little bit about the, the conflict that they had?
1: Sure. So that was very emotional. Like I know, like for me, I felt that was very emotionally charged with talking about failing and, and how he wasn't there for him. You know, we lost and you weren't there. Um, you can just, I thought Robert Downey Jr. did an amazing job conveying like that sense of loss and just like that sense of defeat. And I thought that whole scene was really great with like the tension that was going on, um, you know, except for Rocket talking about a lot of failure going around. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I just, I thought, like, perfectly. Um, And then I thought, like, initially when he first gets back, like, that little encounter he has with Pepper, I thought that was really special. um, The two of them, like, reuniting for the first time.
3: Can I, uh... I I thought that was... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jared. Um, Sorry, I froze up for a second. Uh, Going back to their meeting, uh, there was one part that sort of bothered me about it, and... Actually, it didn't bother me because it happened. I actually think it's good that it happened because I know Tony was dealing with everything at once. But how he how he kept blaming uh, Steve for not being there, when the whole reason that Steve wasn't there was Tony's refusal to call him when mm-hmm. Banner was like, "Call, him. you need to call him," and then he waited too long, ignored it, and then he's like, "Oh, you weren't there with us." Like I guess I know he's dealing with grief and probably. You know, hunger and, you know, starvation and, and lack of water and everything like that. But he kept telling me he wasn't there as like, you know, Steve would have been there in a heartbeat no matter what. He just he had no idea that he had no idea to be there. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, I,
0: I agree with your point. That's actually um, the first critique of the entire podcast. So good on you, mm-hmm. Jerry movie obviously wasn't uh, wasn't perfect we'll find out later what our ratings are but uh, i kind of agree the, the whole reason why steve wasn't there is because their the relationship was fractured uh tony tony obviously didn't give him a call until it was too late and um I, I, I agree with that point so good point jared uh moving on with tony's side of the story uh during the the mission to retrieve the stones there tony has a very special interaction with One, Howard Stark, where he poses as Howard Potts, uh, which I thought was a hilarious moniker there. So, Steve, do you have anything to say about Tony's reunion with his father? Obviously, his father doesn't know it's him, but it was special either way. What would you think?
2: Yeah, um, I thought it was really good just because we find out early on in that whole encounter that uh, Howard Stark is going home because his wife is pregnant, um, you know, with Tony at that point. Um, I thought it was really cool to see Tony kind of see the more humanizing moments of his dad. Um, you know, we hear in the earlier Iron Man movies about how his dad was tough on him, um, that he wasn't really, you know, around a ton, um, just because he was always working. Um, and then for him at the end, you know, as they've kind of gotten closer to be the one that gives... Uh, Howard parenting advice. You know he's been a parent for five years and he's the one that is giving um, or Tony's been a parent for five years and he's giving Howard parental advice. Um, you know he's telling his, his own dad how to be a parent to himself. I thought that was a really cool kind of mix. And then to end it with a little bit of comedy, you know, Howard goes in for the handshake, Tony goes to hug him. And says thank you in the emotional goodbye to his dad that he never got. Um, he says thank you and then realizes he's supposed to be Howard Potts from MIT and quickly throws in for for all you've done for this country and then just kind of leaves.
0: And following up right after that, you know Howard's still kind of feeling like he knows him and he asks his driver Jarvis, who comes from the TV series Agent Carter? Did anyone else get that callback or connectivity at all, or am I the only loser that watched Agent Carter?
3: I didn't I, watch Agent Carter. Car- yeah, excuse me, I didn't watch Agent Carter, but I had seen the character before, so I kind of knew that was what was happening.
2: Yeah, and I, 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 agree I, I was really cool. I had, I'm with Jared. I hadn't seen it, but I kind of figured that was Jarvis and and recognized the voice a little bit.
0: Yeah, that was officially the first TV to be crossover to this point. So it truly is all connected. 22 movies later, but well, we got it. Back. Yeah. It would have been awesome All of Shield came from that time of battle, too, but I can't expect everything. Daredevil, yeah. Cage, W-H, where were you guys at? Who knows? Moving on with Cap, um, a little bit earlier in the movie, before Tony's conversation with his father and the mission. Uh, we see a little bit about Cap's role five years after the beheading of Thanos, and I don't know about you guys. Uh, not to go off on a tangent, but when that title card came on and it said five years later, my entire theater kind of freaked out. We did not expect mm-hmm.
1: it at
0: all, so I thought that was a really cool moment. But Janelle, do you want to speak about Captain America's role post uh, post Snap five years later and and what he's doing to make the whole playing place?
1: You can just tell that, like, I mean, he's out here trying to help people in, like, these small groups and trying to help people to move on and trying to tell people to, as he said, grow. And I feel like it's tough to tell people to move on and grow if you can't do that yourself. And he kind of speaks to that when he talks to Black Widow, you know, at the the headquarters, you know, and he talks about, you know, being able to move on but not us so i think it's one of those internal struggles where it's like i'm trying to help people but at the same time i can't i can't move on myself because of everything that they lost um, so i thought that like they did a decent job trying to show his struggle you know internally however he's still like i mean mr positivity as like iron man talks about like i just that that's that optimism and i thought that that kind of came across despite the fact that he's had like he's having this internal struggle with trying to move on
0: i totally agree with, with what you're saying in that uh in that support group that you're talking about when he's trying to help those folks i'm sure you guys noticed that joe russo was in that that group mm-hmm. that was the second time acting in a movie i believe the first time was in civil war where he played a a dead doctor that Berenzino had killed. So uh, Joe Russo's got some acting chops. I, I was impressed with the dialogue in this movie. Also in that little circle was the creator of Thanos. I forgot his name. His first name's Jim, but he was that bald guy with, with an orange beard. So I thought that was that was, to include him as well. Um, moving along into the, the Stone Heist with Cap, Jared, what did you think was, because uh, there were so many cool moments with Cap during the, the heist. But what do you think was some
3: of the coolest moments for him during the heist? Uh, sorry, you kind of cut out there. What well, was the question?
0: Uh, Captain America's coolest moments during
3: the, the time. Oh, during the heist. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's really Captain. Oh, I mean, for one, his fight with younger Captain America was just really fun. Like, let's be honest, those two is is him fighting his same person. So. It was almost like he got annoyed by his own cheery attitude that kind of got on Tony Stark's nerves for years. He kinda of saw from the other side, you know, the whole like I can do this all day statement. Like yeah, that one I
1: know.
3: Yeah, that one was probably <laughs> the best. Or or playing off of um, playing off of uh, Ant Man's, you know, This is America's Ass comment. Yeah. Like I, I, I thought they, they did really well. Um, yeah I thought they did really well uh, throughout the movie with him those are probably my two favorite which I know is kind of weird but like that fight scene with himself was just fantastic because there's two guys who almost kind of knew their own moves um, going at it and just really entertaining overall
0: also Cap acting like a Hydra agent
3: in the elevator Mm, yeah I forgot about this
2: (laughs) yeah Call that,
3: to Winter, Soldier. Winter Soldier. That was one of my.
2: Um, that was one of my favorite moments, just because, uh, like Jared said, it's a callback to Winter Soldier, uh, with uh, Rumlow in the elevator. Everyone thinks, oh, they're just—he's just about to beat the shit out of everybody—and <laughs> uh, then he leans in and says, um, one of the most controversial comic book lines ever is Captain America saying, "Hail Hydra," um, in the one of the newer lines of captain america comics um we in that in this line captain america's the whole time been a hydra sleeper agent um so for him to give that little hail hydra line was a good nod to the comics as well
3: did they kind of do that whole reverse one the comics though too it turns out he was actually just faking it to get inside hydra or something like that i can't really remember how that line ended i just remember being like controversial and then turned into nothing
2: it might have been, but still, it was a cool little... Yeah, throw. yeah for
3: sure. I
0: agree. And out of all the, the separate missions, um, the the one going back to 2012 in the Battle of New York was, was my favorite. Absolutely. Just seeing that kind of behind-the-scenes camera angle of them, of Tony and Ant-Man behind the Avengers as they're standing over Loki, seeing how Loki got that, that mouth contraption to shut him up, because I don't think that was ever addressed in, in the Avengers. We just kind of saw him show up with, with that on his mouth. And then, uh, without getting too far into it, seeing Loki escape with the Tesseract yet again.
3: Did and- did the Hulk bother you guys on that?
0: Well, he was kind of retconned to have some of the dopey attitude that he did. Yeah, and-
3: he had a lot of speaking lines, <laughs> way more than he ever had in the first Avengers movie. Right, but they ret.
0: I kind of liked it. I don't know about anyone else, but they retconned his personality to make it closer to Ragnarok. Yeah, Yeah,
3: I thought it was something that I thought what they were doing is his his personality kind of developed, but instead they retconned it. So that was was not an angle I expected.
0: He hated the stairs. I thought that was, and he couldn't go inside the elevator because of Maxwell. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but obviously this can be a four hour podcast, so I'm going to jump, you know, kind of towards the end of the movie here, but just speaking about Tony and Steve. Uh, what did you guys think about one of the most triumphant uh, moments in the story, where, where Cap finally wields Thor's hammer? Janelle, what you think about that?
1: That was probably that was one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. Um, just and I love the part where like Thor was like, "I knew it," when he you know he knew he was worthy, and it was just it was just a perfect way for his final like action sequence to to be scripted, and I was just. I was so, this sounds really cheesy, but, like, my heart was so full. Like, it was, like, this is so awesome. And then, like, you know, even, like, when they approached Thanos, the three of them, like, that shot of their feet, I don't know why, but I thought that was so awesome. I thought that was so cool when you just see them walking up there. That was probably, that was one of my favorite parts, too.
0: (laughs) What I did notice on my second viewing is that that entire time before they were approaching him, Thor was wearing rocks the whole time. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, dude. that was really funny. Steve, wh- what did you think about Cap before the, you know, the final moments of the battle and before the other Avengers came back from being snapped?
2: Um, I mean that's typical Steve Rogers, Captain America. Um, you know his shield's broken in half. He's staring down. 2014 Thanos with an army of Chitari and warships and everything behind him no idea where Thor is where Tony is and he just gets up anyway and just stares down an entire army ready to go himself if he had to uh, I thought it was really kind of poetic of a soldier fighting till the end uh, no matter what
0: and, of course, they tricked me because I was just so ready to be emotional at that point. So I'm like, oh, no, like Thanos won again. It's Thanos versus, you know, and his army versus versus Cap, and he's screwed. But, of course, you know, you hear the radio going staticky after after Hulk does the snap, which I kind of forgot about, to be honest, because there was some action in between there. So I wasn't sure what, what the rep, um, the results of, the, of Hulk's snap were. Uh, but obviously it works because you hear Sam say on your left, and then you see see the portal open, you see several portals open, and that's probably my new favorite shot in the MCU is is all those characters coming back. Oh yeah, seeing Black Panther come through is just like I was seeing a god walk through that time portal. It, it's excellent.
1: Janelle, what do you got to say? Oh yeah, like seeing like yeah Black Panther come out with his sister, and you're just seeing like. kind of their shadows and then like seeing them come out into the light that was so awesome and then like falcon saying on your left oh (laughs) (laughs) oh man i was like that and just seeing like cap say avengers assemble and the the music playing in the background like it was just so epic and then as a as a female i'm gonna say it the scene where captain marvel is there and they're saying, you know, you're, you're not gonna be able to get through there alone. And they say, you know, don't worry, she's got help. Seeing all the women of the MCU together, that was that was also a favorite moment of mine. And seeing Pepper Potts be a bad ass, come mm. on.
2: Mm.
0: <laughs> Special shout out to Alan Silvestri who did the music for both Infinity War and Endgame and the original Avengers. He knocked it out of the park with Endgame. I'm sitting in the car listening to the soundtrack on my way home from work. Ultimate nerd stuff, but um, I thought he did an excellent job. with This kind of invoking those, those emotions towards the end of the movie and the, the culmination. So I thought that was that was pretty cool. Um, so the the heroes come through the portal and you know they, they get into the big battle. The battle progresses. A lot of cool moments. Were there any? You know, battle moments that really stood out to you, Jared, that you thought were, were really cool because there were just so many cool moments that I can't I know, that stood
3: out for you? Well, one.
0: Uh, oh, go ahead. I I
3: said, yeah. <laughs> Did he say Steven or Jared? Uh, I am, you know, I'm a bit biased. I'm a huge Spider Man guy. So when he came in, obviously I love Peter Parker. and When he came in and put in the instant kill mode. <laughs> you know, a callback to homecoming brought an in instant kill. That was, that was my favorite, especially that he got, I was, I was thinking they'd bring him in, give him the gauntlet for like five seconds, but no, he actually took it quite a ways himself. You know, he, he got a ride with Valkyrie. Um, he, he took on a bunch of the Chitauri and then he had that moment that really kind of cute moment with uh, captain Marvel where he's, you know, he's not very secretive about who he is with the other heroes. I've discovered <laughs> Just like instantly another hero comes around. It's the mask off and he's introducing himself. But I just thought that was really he he had a really great moment in there that I really enjoyed, especially since he wasn't one of the main main cast, even a few movies ago. And
0: special moment with with Tony uh, reuniting with him. Obviously, he doesn't know from what he says that he was even dusted in the first place. I'm assuming
2: that that's explained to him after the fact.
3: Well, he he, know he, was dust. he, he, he know. said he knew his dust. He goes, it all went black. And he then, said he
2: turned into dust and he thought he passed out because yeah. he was gone. And then yeah. Strange said, hey, we need to go.
3: Right, he didn't know how
0: long he was gone for. Oh, no, that's true. That's going to no, be weird. I don't
2: think five years. Yeah.
0: So, um, jumping way back to the beginning of the movie, the first thing that Tony says to Steve is that he lost the kid. So um, that's what kind of gets Tony back into the game in the first place is, is spraying himself with dishwater and seeing the picture of, of Peter Parker and him during that Fox internship. And he realizes that he has uh, he has more to fight for. So I thought that that moment between Tony and Peter where they hug in, at the final battle is is really special. And, and, I, and I love that. So uh, moving moving past that and all the, the cool moments, um, getting into the ultimate ultimate culmination. So Steve, what did you think of, uh, you know, the way that, that Tony and, and Dr. Strange kind of had that conversation about the, the 14 million possibilities and, and everything surrounding that?
2: Um, I thought it was really well done. Um, you know, you have to kind of protect every possible outcome if you're strange, you know, the one thing, you know, what everyone has to do in order for that one one timeline to be successful. And uh, Tony flying up and asking, hey, you said one in 14 million, are we on that one right now? And Strange saying, if I tell you, we won't be on it anymore, or something along those lines. And then to see later as Strange is kind of blocking the uh, water from rushing in from the lake and seeing Tony, um, and just kind of giving him the the one, giving him the number one um, look with one finger, and he just, Tony realizes exactly what he has to do at that moment, Um, and that's where he just runs up and challenges Thanos himself, you know, know, realizing after uh, Thanos pulls the power stone out of the gauntlet and uh, punches Captain Marvel to, you know, who knows where at that point, um, she kind of went probably a couple miles, and Tony runs up, pulls all the stones off, and Gives one of the best lines. Um, the, the, I mean, the line that started the whole thing. I am Iron Man, and, uh, and that was it.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean,
2: I'm, str- I'm struggling to
0: think about words for it right now because just seeing him wield wield the you know the makeshift gauntlet and knowing right before he says that that he's gonna he's gonna snap and, and the consequences that are gonna follow after that. That was the, I guess, the most my heart was pumping throughout the movie, and at that moment it was it was dead silence. Um, Janelle, did you have any thoughts on on the final, really the final sentence that that Iron Man has to say and how that all kind of culminated?
1: Yeah, so I'm gonna be to be honest, like Iron Man was my favorite character. Like he, I don't know, like from the snarkiness to just, I mean. He, it's just, I love everything about it. And Robert Downey Jr. doesn't have to do a, an ounce of acting. That man is, he literally is Iron Man. And going into it, I had a feeling Cap was going to die. Just because, I mean, of, you know, the contract is up. And then, you know, comments he's made. I wasn't sure about Iron Man because I was like, well, you know, this has been his franchise. And he, you know, kind of single-handedly brought it forward. So I thought they might keep him around for, like, cameos. So when he snapped, I was like, oh, like, this is going to be tough. And like, I'm not going to lie. I cried at him. Like, especially like when Pepper comes up to him and tells him, like, it's OK, you can rest now. After the beginning of the movie, when she said, like, but would you be able to, you know, but would you be able to rest? And then she kind of closes it down by saying, you know, you can rest now. Like that whole thing killed me. Like that just that just really got me. Um, but I thought the way that they sent him out, like it was absolutely perfect.
0: And there's, there's so many death scenes in, in, so, in so many movies, but not only because I love Tony Stark and we all love Tony Stark because it's so special, but I did, thought they handled it in such a human way. Like you said, Pepper said it was okay to go. Like Peter came up to him first and realized that he was dying. And he was kind of hysterical, as I'm sure, you know, whatever a 17, 16 year old boy would be watching one of his, his best friends die. Um, but the way that Pepper, you know, just so gently p- pushes him, pushes him away from Tony, and and puts on a strong face probably during the most difficult uh, moment of her life. I thought that that was something that was so real and only something that Marcus and McFeely and the Russos and fight you can come up with, because I felt like it was one of my family members dying in front of, in front of my eyes. I'm
1: mm-hmm. like,
3: Serious,
0: Jared. Do you have any thoughts on and Tony Stark's final moments?
3: uh well to to preface you know i've been actually i was watching iron man 2 last night and it's just insane to see the journey from you know iron man 2 of course he's uh the first uh you know where he uh he gets drunk at his party and has to get shut down you know and he's really kind of wild and out there and to see his his journey from that to like the movie where he's not, he's not even sure he wants to be Iron Man anymore because you know, he has a daughter and family now and to get to the ending where he's making, you know, that, that sacrifice, the the ultimate sacrifice for the team is I don't know. I, it really, you really aren't able to appreciate it until you look back on his character growth from beginning to end. And I thought they really wrapped it up nicely. And I kind of figured that this was the end for him going in because I didn't see a way they could make his character survive. Like with Captain America, I felt like, you know, he has at least the ability, what they ended up doing, which I know we're about to talk about, so I won't mention too much, but I kind of figured like if they were going to do something, that would actually work. But you couldn't really do that with Tony, and he obviously wasn't going to retire. Like you can't make it make sense for him to retire because that's just not within his character to do so. So I thought they did a really good job and I, I mean, it was kind of the ultimate ending for him, and I, I really loved it. I thought it was perfect. There's uh, go ahead.
2: There's one other thing I noticed when Jared kind of touched on, um, kind of Iron Man two. Um, this kind of took a, you know, I was, I was watching a couple videos on just some things you might have missed. Um, there was a line in either, I think it was either Ultron or Civil War. Where Captain America tells Tony, um, "You wouldn't be the person to lay down on a grenade and let your buddies go over you." And at the end, that's that's what Tony does: is uh, sacrifice himself for for everyone else.
3: Right. And they in- kind of accused him of that in the Avengers movie too, didn't they?
0: Yeah, I was gonna mention uh, because Jared obviously he almost carries a nuke up to to space to save everyone, so yeah. he kind of got to fulfill his destiny. Uh, even more so with the the vision that he had in Age of Ultron that Scarlet Witch um, so nicely puts in his head um, that all of his friends are, are dead and, and he failed. So he he changed that vision, his biggest fear of not saving his friends.
3: That vision was sort of in there. I mean, Captain S.H.I.E.L.D. was actually broken in the same design that it was in his vision, too. When, right. When Thanos destroyed his ship. S.H.I.E.L.D. His ship. That's not right. His S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Yeah, I
0: think Age of Ultron is going to be a movie that
3: grows like a fine line. That some- I actually like it. But then again, I kind of like them all, so maybe I just am not very good at judging movies. <laughs> no, I,
0: like
3: I just I enjoyed it.
0: I like it too. I thought it was a good movie. I just thought that there's some plot points about the future of the MCU in there that wouldn't have made sense until we watched the rest
3: of it. I like Dark World too, so you know. Apparently. Well,
0: right, just connect from the chat. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, after Tony snaps, you know, he dies, which we, we spoke about. And, and the next scene is a voiceover from Tony. I kind of expected the MCU, or this portion of it anyways, to, to end with some kind of voiceover about what it means to be a superhero. Um, I didn't expect it to be Tony after his death. And um, he mentioned that he had hoped that they were playing the recording uh, in celebration, which, which they were. Uh, back together with his family, Peter back with, with Ned. Just everyone back where they, they should be, even though the world is, is still imperfect. He, he's a true hero at the end. So uh, then, then you go over to the the really emotional part of the movie for me, uh, past Tony actually snapping, was, was the funeral. Janelle, do you want to talk a little bit about how you felt during the funeral and, and what you thought was, was special about it, if you thought it was special? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
1: I think the part that got me the most was his daughter sitting with Happy. And she wants cheeseburgers and her dad loved cheeseburgers. Cause it's like now like this little girl is going to grow up without her dad and the kind of guy, the guy that he was, and just like, what's her life going to be like? Like, so just like that part got me more than, and then like the, I love you 3000. Oh my gosh. Like that was just, that was a killer. That was killer. And then to see just, all of the Avengers there, um, you know, in support and, you know, just it was just very, it was very, there was not a dry eye in the theater. Like the first night I, I was there or the second night. Um, but the part with his daughter, with the cheeseburgers, that, that killed me.
0: And the, just the sheer amount of skill, whoever got all those actors in one place at the same time to, to film that shot of all of them at the funeral was incredible. I can't believe that all those people were there. Jared, how would you feel during the funeral?
3: Uh, I loved – I thought that was really beautiful. And to see Harley Keener there, that was a good throwback. That, yeah. You know, I honestly – it took me a minute to figure out who that was. Um, but I thought that was a really cool throwback to Iron Man 3. Um, I wish, once again, being a little selfish, and <laughs> I don't know, uh, maybe it's because it's the most recent one we saw, but we didn't get to see the, the Captain Marvel – uh, fury reunion even though they were probably five feet from each other you know i was kind of hoping they at least get a glance but i guess it kind of comes with the fact that marvel was if i re- remember correctly marvel was filmed after Endgame, game correct yeah, correct? yeah so. so i guess they weren't ready to bank go all in on her yet and kind of wanted to see how it played out so maybe that's why she didn't have as huge of a role And maybe not as many scenes, but I would have kind of liked that. But overall, I thought the funeral was great. It was really well done. Got every major character there. Um, And plus, you know, the the cheeseburger, as you you mentioned. But I thought it was kind of funny how, like, you know, they say that Janelle mentioned she's going to grow up without a dad. But she's definitely going to have a lot of people watching out for her, too. Which I hope, honestly, I kind of hope they develop her character over time. I was kind
1: of, I'm hoping for the same thing. Like, and I know that there's been people that have been talking about, like, like because Disney just random. Like Disney did like the Descendants thing with the yeah. villains. Now they're talking about like would they do something with the kids, like Hawkeye's daughter, and like Iron Man's daughter. Like would they do something like that with the with the kids?
3: The only problem is I think Pepper's done. Like uh, she is. Yeah. Like, Gwyneth <laughs> done with those movies. Yeah. But I mean, did they have to? They had to do a lot to even get her back in this one. In these mm-hmm. ones, so. But, um. Yeah, I thought that was a really, really, really neat way to wrap it up.
0: And the Russos did, did great with what they could with Captain Marvel without completely making her an overpowerful source in the story, but just her standing there all stoic-like in, in the back, kind of wa- watching as a, as a godmother to everyone else. Obviously, Nick, Nick is behind her, kind of lurking as well, but... Uh, you just feel that that source of power from her just, you know, standing there stoic where some people in Captain Marvel will be like, oh, she doesn't have any emotion. I just saw it as, as such a source of strength. She's standing there alone, kind of letting everyone else have their moment. But also you, you just have this feeling that um, some kind of weird existential torch has been passed to, to Captain Marvel. Even earlier in the movie where Tony's like, yes, I like her. She's new blood. So I can't wait to see how they develop Captain Marvel, and, and I think that she should be the new, the new leader of, of the group. Steve, I'm, Jeff,
3: still, I'm still hoping for a Captain uh, Captain Marvel Valkyrie uh, side movie, just touring the touring the universe together.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, but she's not
0: done, Valkyrie. Hopefully.
3: Yeah, uh, so, I hope not. Yeah, she. I feel like she has a lot to bring to the table too. Yeah, Steve. Any thoughts on the funeral, or or any additional thoughts?
2: Yeah, um, for the funeral, you know, the, the panning through everyone was was great, you know, seeing everyone there, um, but the, the original uh, arc reactor of Tony being on the wreath on the lake, proof that Tony Stark has a heart, um, that was great. That was a really good just kind of final send-off for a character who started out being a rich douchebag that just sold weapons to terrorists in the Middle East. I mean, it was a really good, really good 22-movie arc for him.
0: And ending ending this conversation kind of feels like, uh, you know, sad again, because we'll never really talk about Tony Stark ever again. So that that stinks, but... Um, I feel
3: like that's <laughs> not true, though. <laughs> you think that they're going to work him into the future somehow? Even without him in the movies, his his he's going to have kind of, His out of things, yeah especially with i mean even in i know we are we'll get into it later but far from home is basically like far from home i think is the end of tony's journey more than endgame was because you know that is supposedly the end of the next of this current phase so mm-hmm. it, i think that's i think tony still has a role to play and uh, getting into
0: the final shots of the movie is uh, something that's I saw was a little controversial Steve I want you to be the point person on this because Cap goes to return the the stones he uses the the quantum tunnel or whatever you want to call it to to go back and put the stones where they belong the reason why he does this is because of Hulk's knowledge from his conversation with the ancient one when he's trying to get the time stone that all the stones need to be uh, put back exactly where they were in, in that particular point of time, as to not mess up any any timelines Anyways, what Cap does is uh, stay in the past and, and spend the rest, most of the rest of his life with his, his love, Peggy Carter. So, Steve, do you want to explain a little bit about what Cap did and how you thought about that um, in general?
2: Yeah, so there are a couple things I noticed on my second watch. Um, one is when uh, Professor Hulk tells him or says he'll be gone for as long as he needs, but he'll be back in five seconds. Uh, Bucky actually just says goodbye. He doesn't say, you know, see you in five seconds. He says he'll miss him. Um, So Bucky kind of already has an idea of what's going on. Um, The whole time travel thing, uh, I know Kevin, you and I kind of spoke about this a little bit beforehand. It's a little bit murky with the MCU, and it's kind of just because it's probably meant to be that way. Um, It's not like... uh, you know, Back to the Future, or Hot Tub Time Machine, or any of those movies they listed um, in there, here's how time travel works with the Hulk. Um, The Hulk's explanation kind of was, if you travel back to your past, that ends up becoming your future, um, and your present becomes your past. Um, So what it kind of seems like is that Cap either, if it's a there's either two ways. There's a linear timeline where Cap goes back and there's two Steve Rogers living on Earth at the same time. And this, our Captain Ro- our Captain Rogers knows he can't say anything about what's about to happen because if he does, it'll change everything. Um, and so he just lives his life with Peggy and then he knows exactly where to be and when to be to pass on the shield to Sam. The other idea is that him going back, he creates just a small parallel uh, reality that runs alongside everything that happened in the MCU. And he took enough PIM Particles when they were going back in 1970 that he could stay there with her, live out her life, live to that moment in, um, in New York at the Avengers Compound, and jump back to that bench, uh, having lived his life with Peggy, but also showing up seven seconds after he left as an old man.
3: I think it's the second one, honestly. And that's what I think I had mentioned, talked with you about that, too, because he did. He took enough pin Particles to return to return from that timeline. And the movie made it seem like no matter what you do, if you go back in time, you're not on the same timeline. So it makes it sound like there's an alternate. So it sounds like he just jumped back later. So
2: the way I kind of read it was that it's all you can't change your own reality. That's why they couldn't go back and kill Thanos. Them going back doesn't change their reality that Thanos still snapped his fingers and killed half the population. Um, That reality still happens. But going like they're not affecting their own past. If they go back and kill Thanos, it doesn't stop everything from happening. That that future still happens. Um, The one thing I'm interested to see is if Loki disappearing it already set everything off on a different timeline then, which probably gives into his Disney Plus series that he's gonna get. But I wonder if that if they could use that to loop Loki back into a future. Uh, movie with Thor at some point.
0: Yeah, good point, Steve. I totally agree. So, um, just moving on to the the very last portion of the movie, uh, besides Cap, obviously sharing that dance with, with Peggy to actually end it, would be Captain America, uh, Steve Rogers, passing on his shield to to Sam Wilson. Did anyone have any issues with that? Did they want it to be Bucky? And what do you um, think is the decision?
3: I actually i knew it'd be i thought it was going to be bucky at first but then i thought that kind of would have been like the same thing like one ancient super soldier passing on to another ancient super soldier so i thought it was kind of cool that he went with sam instead who for all intents and purposes is kind of a regular guy he's he's like a a poor man's iron man he doesn't have the money that tony does so he says he's a, a super suit that's not as strong but but he has the heart he has as big a heart as anybody else does, so I thought that was, I thought he kind of really fits the role, and that's kind of why I think uh, Steve chose him, and I was pretty happy with it. For mm. modern times, obviously the company that Steve uh,
0: chooses to spend his time with, you'd have to think that they're good people. Um, Sam takes Natasha and Steve in when he doesn't really know them at all in Winter Soldier, and like you said, Jared, he has such a big heart and. He's always there for Steve when he needs him throughout, you know, Civil War and the events that follow Infinity War. And he's the first person to say Steve on your left when he comes back. So it felt right. And uh, Janelle, what do you think?
1: Uh, Well, I really like Anthony Mackie. So I was all about it. And then I don't know. This is kind of on a deeper level. I think it's good for, like, the diversity with the MCU to have Black Captain America. Like, I think that'll be really good going on forward. I'm sure some people are going to make a big deal about it, but I think that's awesome, actually. I think, and honestly, to, I think that may have been why they did it to a certain extent is to bring some diversity into it and to keep that. Because, I mean, yes, we have T'Challa, but I mean, they, they do need some diversity as far as the leadership within the Avengers going forward.
3: Ian?
2: Yeah, um, I think, Kevin, we were talking before we started recording here, but um, this was, you know, I think everyone kind of thought it was going to be Bucky. Um, You know, that's kind of how it seems to go in the comics. And uh, it was a nice way to, you know, in the comics, Bucky is the next one to take on Captain America, and then Bucky ends up passing it on to Sam. Um, The little moment of Bucky telling Sam to... Hey, you go first. It's kind of him, just like I'm not gonna take the mantle of Captain America. That's that's your turn. Um, you know, like you guys have said, Sam was with Captain America more than than Bucky was um, over the last couple movies. You know, they're hunting Bucky in one of them. You know, Bucky's in Wakanda for a bunch of you know a couple other movies. So I think it was a good nod to to not give it to bucky like everyone kind of thought would would happen and, and go ahead and go with sam.
3: Do you think we get like an old man Steve Rogers cameos in future movies or to they like there's kind of like nah he died from old age just cool.
0: I think it's a good stopping point. Um, oh, yeah. I I think I think Captain America and Iron Man need to be definitively done uh, for everything to to land and stay the way that it was at the end of Endgame game with the satisfaction of, of everything coming to, to a close. So I, I wouldn't like it at all. If they brought either of them back in any capacity,
3: uh, I completely agree. I just think it'd be funny if they like replay, if they just made cameos from now on, since <laughs> it was just old man Rogers just <laughs> taking those roles, like back in my day. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be that serious. I mean, I wouldn't be like upset about it. That would actually kind of be funny. So Uh, who knows i wouldn't put anything past them but there's so much that we didn't we didn't touch on we didn't talk about thanos at all the main (laughs) character of infinity war we didn't talk about um any supporting characters the future of the mcu past this we can't possibly touch on everything i wanted to really get a, a podcast recorded about the the original six because i believe truly that this is what this movie deserved to be about and and they delivered on that so uh, just closing thoughts, uh, one, one final thing. I don't know if you guys stayed at the, the end credits. There were no official end credits, but the way they, they kind of did the, the mid-credits, not scene, but um, the graphics, if you will, with the signatures of all the six main Avengers and giving them each like 30 seconds to have everyone applause. I thought that was that was so awesome yeah. have R.D.G. be the last one. And with the Avengers theme, like it just brought everything to... A definitive close,
2: um, and I thought that was that was really awesome. So yeah, the hammering
3: yeah. of metal that was pretty. That
2: at the very at the very very end, when the Marvel logo yeah. shows up, the the sound of Tony creating the Iron Man suit in the cave.
3: Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah,
2: yeah, I, I agree, and I I just sat there. Obviously, you guys did too
0: um, you know about that, just to see all the names scrolling down and everyone who made the MCU yeah, possible. Yeah. I always reference Feige and Marcus and McFeely and the Russos, but people like John Favreau and Josh, Joss Whedon and James Gunn and you know Tony Stark. I'm, I'm calling him Tony Stark. RDJ's uh, Food Runner. Anyone that made this movie and MCU possible, I'm grateful towards, and uh, just such a special, special universe that will continue on somehow. And knowing knowing everyone that put their work into this, it's going to be it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a different kind of awesome, but We'll get into the future uh, on the the second part of the podcast, which will be coming shortly. So final part of this podcast, just to go around and kind of give your final rating on Avengers Endgame and uh, to to wrap up the podcast. So, Jared, go ahead with with your rating out of 10.
3: Uh, I got to give it a nine and a half. Uh, I mean, I'd like to just give it tens, but that wouldn't really be a good way to to approach it. I think I mentioned a couple parts that I thought they could have done better. But overall, you know, yeah, three hours and they stuffed about as much as you could into it, and it was just beautiful and really fun. It was a great ride. I en- I enjoyed it from 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 start to end, and I'm I'm ready to kind of see what the future is like, but also kind of you know reminiscing on the past. However, I thought like one thing that was cool is it kind of solidifies my thoughts that uh, Winter Soldier might be the best movie they've come out with. Like the best callbacks were all from that movie, <laughs> from the on your left to the elevator scene, like. Oh no! That kind of solidified my uh, theory that that might be the best movie they've come out with so far.
0: So, would that be your favorite MCU movie? Do you still
3: maintain that? I'm not sure if you'd call it my favorite, like from in terms of entertainment, but like probably the most solid, you know, solid movie. I think that that's it. Like it, it was really perfect. It it kind of fit really well. I, mean, I don't know if that made sense the way I just described that, but no, it did.
0: I mean, there was a certain realism to. Winter
3: yeah, it 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 had it had like the comic book kind of feel to it but also like a really realism feel to it and like I felt like from an emotional standpoint it was really cool too. I don't know, I just really love that movie. I think that really is their best one they've come out with. Eve, what's your final rating and do you have any any general
0: thoughts on the twenty one movies that came before it? Any any I know we can sit here and talk forever about all the movies, but any movies that really stuck out to you and I guess we're the cream of the crop.
2: Yeah. Uh, so rating uh, three thousand. Three thousand. Jared, get out of here. Uh, no, in all honesty, it's probably exactly with Jared and nine point five. Can't. No movie's gonna be perfect, um, but this is really kind of as close as you can get um, from kind of the culmination of you know, 11 years and 22 movies, so many different characters, you're getting, you know, the ones that started it and the ones that um, are coming next all in one movie. Um, and, you know, my favorite uh, favorite movie had to be probably Thor Ragnarok. Um, it was a cool twist on, you know, one of the most powerful, whether it's just super, you know, superheroes or just Old gods in general of Thor, um, taking him from the super serious, you know, he's kinda of boring guy to a comedic angle where with the Hulk and Valkyrie to where now, you know, you've got Korg um uh, making an appearance in, in end game playing Fortnite, um, getting taunted by Noobmaster sixty nine. Noobmaster sixty
0: nine. I love that man.
2: Needing best Fortnite. supporting character in the movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um and then just to see Thor kind of being a, a knockoff version of uh, the dude from The Big Lebowski, um, I'm really excited to see where that goes in the future. But uh, yeah, Thor Ragnarok and and with him just being one of my favorite characters of all time in in Marvel, um, kind of fits.
0: Janelle, same question: rating and any any movies that really stick out in your your heart and mind?
1: Yeah, I mean. This is going to sound, I mean, I, a 9-5 is about, like, it, cause not, it wasn't perfect, but it was just about perfect. And as far as my my favorite is, I still love the first Avengers. And that's probably because my favorite line in, like, the entire, like, in the entire 22 films is, that guy's playing Galaga. He thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. Like, I, like, <laughs> and, like, I just, I love I don't know it was just pure tony stark in that movie like some of the some of the one-liners like make a move reindeer games like those those are like my favorite parts of the series like where where it's funny and just i don't know and that scene in new york that we got to relive in endgame like that that is just that's like probably my favorite part of the entire series where like cap is kind of like commanding the troops like hulk smash like that was just that's my favorite part that's my favorite movie Easily. So
0: I I'll often grade in, in decimal points and my friends all make fun of me for it. But I'm going to give it a 9.8 like I did in my, my written review. I mean, why would I, why would I change that? Uh, because I felt like the first portion of the movie did drag in a like very, very small time. time Like five minutes where I was like, okay, where are we going now? I'm done with like the emotional the emotional toxic. let's get going. But I felt I felt that for five minutes. So I'm going to give it a 9.8. Almost perfection. Like you guys said, nothing can be perfect. Um, a 10 out of 10. comic um, movie ever comes out in my lifetime. I don't know what I'm going to do. I thought the Dark Knight would have been the closest thing to a 10 out of 10. But
3: for me, Avengers. Jurassic Park was already made, bud. <laughs> That's not a superhero
0: movie. That doesn't uh, I thought
3: it a 10 out of 10 movie in general. Are um... we really <laughs> going to call Jeff Goldberg not a superhero? Because he's part of the Marvel comic universe now. I don't know if you noticed this. Yeah, that's true. You, get, you didn't get
0: to see uh, The Grand Masters. Maybe he'll, he'll show up in the future. But I'm going to go with the 9.8 in terms of uh, any other movies that stick out in my mind because Endgame is my absolute favorite, number one. Um, I would just go with the rest. It's kind of a cop-out with the rest of the Russo Brothers movies, The Winter Soldier, uh, Infinity War, and Civil War. All those as a package just, just brought me so much joy and brings that realism that Jerry was was talking mm-hmm. about Kind of transcends the genre and then um another one that i would throw in my top five five guardians of the galaxy such a phenomenal job with the first one and that i truly felt that um the mcu was willing to do something different and different from the status quo and um maybe one of these days we can just talk about in more in depth about the previous 2021 20, movies obviously this is only our second podcast so we have a lot to talk about in the future and um uh, Rich history of the MCU is just solidified with Endgame. So, that's gonna be the end of this podcast. We're going to come up with a second, uh, a second portion, second part, like like I mentioned. That'll be coming soon here. We'll delve, delve a little bit more into the about Thanos, because that was a big thing that we didn't get a chance to touch on. So, uh, signing out at this point. Everyone, thank you for, for joining us, and hope you have a good night.
2: Rest in peace, Tony Stank.
0: Rest in peace, Tony Stank. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.